0: 2012 edition of Ordinary Means. I'm your host, Sean Nolan, here with Matt Bowling. Hi, Sean. Matt, should we do this today?
1: Uh, I don't think anybody's going to make any use of this podcast, Sean. I
0: just, I don't even understand why we do the podcast what? at all. Uh, I don't, you know. Maybe, we should, half years, maybe we should just throw in the towel. I mean,
1: I, does anybody listen? Is anybody listening?
0: Is anybody, I I don't think we should ask them, is anybody listening? Here's the question I think we should ask them. Is anybody cynical?
1: (sighs) I'm tempted to be cynical.
0: I think we're all tempted to be cynical. I think every one of us uh, in this world who are possessed of a sin nature are tempted to be cynical. Uh, And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about cynicism and the ordinary means uh, because they relate. They relate in a big way. Um, Because cynicism comes uh, not as a result of uh, merely seeing the world as it is. Uh, That's often what makes us cynical, isn't it? Seeing the world as it is. Where's my, I have a, I have the Webster's Dictionary quote. Cynicism, Webster's defined cynicism as morose, sarcastic. That These don't describe us at all, Matt. Morose, <laughs> sac- sarcastic, sneering inclination to question the sincerity or motives of others. I, w- I want to come back to that later. Uh, the inclination to question the value of living. So really, cynicism is a form of despair. Hmm. And when we're tempted to cynicism, what we're tempted to do, we're tempted to, uh, despair. And that is clearly not a Christian attitude. That is clearly not, uh, God's aim for us is to have us despairing. He wants us hoping. Uh, he mm-hmm. gives us hope in Christ. And, uh, but for some reason, we get back to this this complaining spirit, this sarcastic attitude, and this cynicism toward uh toward life and and the lot we've been given um now Matt, you and I have already talked about this a little bit before uh coming on the air via email um what's your what's your take on cynicism you've seen some cynicism recently
1: yeah and we'll link probably to this blog post I'm guessing um but I I have been, um, you know, the users can read the bug or the listeners, the five of them can, or if anybody listens to this after our entry into it. Um, but um, if anybody cares I, anymore. If, if anybody cares after we're cynical at the start of it. Um, that was a humor. We hope all of you listening realize that that was humor, Sean and I. But neither of us. Although we can be cynical at times. Neither of us are, are bent by that. But we're seeing it as a problem. And I, I've particularly seen it as a problem. I wrote in this blog post. Um, in the last couple of months, um, I'm 41. Sean's going to be 43. Um, yeah, I still a got am. a little while to go. You got a little while to go, yeah. Yeah, and, oh, you just turned 42 in September. Yep. Yeah, September. Um, and so we're of a certain generation um, in terms of our backgrounds. Sean and I have similar backgrounds in terms of when we came to Christ and seminary and all those kinds of things. is why we're friends. But um, there's a generation of ministry leaders 10 years older than us um, where a couple of them in the last couple of months i have been surprised at them expressing that they're cynical. And... Um, they've gone through, I know one of these guys quite well. The other guy is an acquaintance, um, but I can imagine some of what he's been through. Um, and it just got bugging me, um, because it seems that so much of the scripture, um, so much of the scriptures are written to help us address our cynicism and come out with hope instead of self-labeling ourselves as cynical. So you might think of a lot of psalms that start off honest, lamenting, um, but end praising. Um, I just this past week, this past week, um, preached a sermon to my congregation on Thanksgiving, and what's the, you know how is it that you can actually daily give thanks to God? How can you actually do First Thessalonians five eighteen to give thanks in all circumstances, which seems bizarre and impossible to give thanks in all circumstances, but. When you grab on to, say, for example, what Paul is say in Second Corinthians four, which is what I preached on last Sunday, um, you know he'll say things like, you know, we're cast down, we're we're perplexed, um, but we're not destroyed, we're not forsaken, we're not hopeless, we're hopeful, because everything that we're going through is preparing us. It's light momentary affliction, which is bizarre if you know the life of the apostle Paul. It is bizarre that he could label his life light momentary affliction. Because none of us would ever in a million years label Paul's life as light momentary affliction. But he does. He doesn't self label as cynical, he self labels as light momentary affliction. Why? Because he's got his eyes on what's unseen. And that's the difference. If you have your eyes on what's seen, you're going to be cynical. There's no doubt. You're too much of a sinner. The people that you know are too much of sinners. The people that you try and work with in ministry or just work with uh, broadly in the world or other church people, your family. If, if you only work in terms of what's seen, there's no way you can end up not cynical. You have to look to what's unseen. Um, and, and that's what kind of hurt me for these couple of friends is that if I'm self-labeling as cynical, it's because the seen is bigger than the unseen. And that's actually a really dangerous place to be. I'm not applying the ordinary means to my life. It's idolatry. So that, how is it idolatry, do you think?
0: Well, because you're you're loving uh you're loving the stuff of earth. You're you're okay. holding you're holding fast to the scene which is temporal mm. rather mm. than holding Transient, fa- Paul calls it yeah Yeah, transient. One of my one of my favorite you mentioned um, Uh, You mentioned the verses where Paul talks about light momentary affliction. One of my favorite verses as I get older is is, who will deliver me from this body of death? Mm. And then it goes on to say, you know, blessed be God Father has delivered us through Christ. Right. Um, So, yeah, cynicism is a a kind of idolatry because it says – Things aren't working out the way I want them to, or things aren't working out the way I think they should, or people people are not the way I think people should be. Even I think cynicism can even get to if everybody was just like me. Hmm. Why can't anybody see this? You know, I used to have a, a boss who was very, very cynical, and he would he would always say to me, "He goes, why is it that nobody has common sense except me in this place?" Hmm. And that's cynicism it's it's a kind of it's a it's it's a it's a sad sarcastic idolatry of of the temporal when you know I, I think we mentioned this a couple podcasts ago when the eternal is actually and i'm not going this isn't a gnostic statement but the eternal is more real than than what we consider real on this earth,
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and eternal in a, in a truly Christian viewpoint is a physical place. It's it's uh, it's a new body. It's it's you know it's it's uh, life, physical life, the way that it was supposed to be lived. Yes. Not, if, uh, if, if you
0: want to go, if you want to go with Plato, you know the 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 uh, the original is found in heaven. You know
1: yeah, so these are copies now, yeah
0: yeah yeah so that, that's yeah. what we, you know that 's what we desire, um, but it 's interesting, I think the reason um, Matt, I think specifically the, the reason pastors tend to get cynical um is exactly what you 're saying i mean we 're given our thesis right here at the beginning uh that the the answer is is found in Christ, mm. The answer is found in the unseen. I I like the way that you put that, not in the scene. Um, But why? But we trust so much in the scene. And I think pastors particularly are tempted to this. Um, In our day, I'm sure this is, this has gone on throughout history, but in our day, since I would say the late 60s, early 70s, pastors have been uh, over uh, inundated with the church growth movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've been inundated with, and this, this ties right into what we're saying with The Ordinary Means, they've been inundated into church planting methodologies or church growth methodologies. And everything in the church that the pastor does becomes about applying certain methods in order to achieve certain ends. And every bit of that Every bit of human methodology is always, at the end of the day, going to come back and make you cynical. At the end of the day, it's going to come back, and it's never going to work the way you want it to work, because God doesn't work that way. God uses donkeys. God uses um, prostitutes in Jericho. Um, God uses uh, the the last person you would expect and the least possible means. Our God is a God who he, you know, he says, okay, send everybody down to the river Gideon and make them drink, and whoever, you know, <laughs> drinks in the most, um, in the silliest way, uh, we're yeah. going to send them into the battle. So that's the way our God works. Our God loves to sh- to show His strength when we are weak. The way the world works is, if you do this method, you'll have the success. Rick Warren did this. Therefore, if you do this, you will have a church like Rick Warren's church or Bill Hybels' church or you, you know, fill in right. whatever name you want to put in there. And well, I like... think that's why pastors are cynical is because they spend their whole life ministering to these people and they see so very little change. And and, and they they mourn it, but they they mourn the fact that they're that what they did didn't work. And you see, that's that focus on self. And
1: it, 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 their, their, desi- their desired end result did not come about, even though the methodology was faithfully applied. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think you, you, you could have something similar with um, even styles of preachers, or styles of ministries—
0: um, Give me an example.
1: You know, we're we're pretty um, one particular uh, history style. Um, you know, conservative, uh, a very prominent conservative. Some people might have heard of name Mark Driscoll. You know, so there's a a uh, you know a sense of you know if you do it like Mark, then you might have the kind of success that that Marcel's had here. Um, you know, and so that there's sort of a Uh, um, here's how i label it It, it's it's inorganic yeah yeah in in the the hope And, and i mean something like that because i think that there's there are good church theorists out there uh trying to say we need to go back to something that is organic that is not methodologically and organic is not methodologically it's not a new methodology um coffee with more Christian missionary. Let's um, he uh, uh, is just—he's a great guy. He's older than I am, and um, we should have him on the podcast sometime, probably. But anyhow, um, he's been very influential to me. He he planted four churches, and um, he was a Bible college instructor for eleven years, um, and uh, wanted to get back in for his last ministry. Uh, um, uh, uh setting. He, he wanted to go back into direct ministry again and he'd already four churches and, uh, they could have gone back and done that, but instead he decided that he wanted to do uh, a revitalization. And so we live blocks apart and, uh, we're both doing revitalizations of churches that were started in the
0: same
1: era. Um, and so it, it's been a very unique and wonderful friendship, but, um, it, we were talking some time back, um, uh, about the fact that, that the Christian Missionary Alliance uses him, because he has all this experience in church planting, to train young church planters. We're that he taught, training classes, and he said, You know, I, I meet all these young guys, and, and they think that planting a church is a really complex thing. And I'm like, Yeah. I mean, it, uh, from the outside, at that point when we were having that conversation, I was like, yeah it's pretty you know there's a lot to think about and whatever and he goes he goes, Yeah, he says, you know in I plan four churches and and really it's pretty simple. I mean I have the life of Jesus in me, and I just give that away to people and <laughs> and I was like and and what's funny is that I didn't even know where he got that from until I preached this passage from second Corinthians four this past Sunday where Paul talks about that we live in this way that is oriented towards other people, and we have this daily dying experience where we carry around the death of Jesus in our body, but it's all for your sake, so that the life of Jesus might be manifested in our bodies, that this sacrificial lifestyle that is poured out for on behalf of other people, that's the life of Jesus, manifested in our bodies. And that is, on the one hand, far simpler than any methodology. And on the other hand, it is the most difficult thing in the world to do because it is so opposite of our self-centeredness and our inwardness and our um, desire that ministry blitzy and it would happen without sacrifice and difficulty and challenge and when it doesn't go that way that's when we get cynical because our reliance was on uh, a method not upon Christ. And I think that's one of the things, some people I think could look at us in six and a half years of a podcast about ordinary means of grace and go ordinary means is a method. It's an (laughs) anti-method. Because it's very much just saying this is how God wants to bring his word of grace to people week by week from every text of Scripture in song, in prayer, in preaching, in reading, in supper, that this is is the very simple, non-methodological way that God aims to uh, convert and especially to disciple and to sanctify people is through these ordinary means. And I think what my friend was trying to say was, you know, the ordinary means embodied in a person as they live out the life of Jesus that's been put in there by the Spirit, that that's what they give away. Um, and cynical people can't do that because you, you always give away, you can't give away what you don't have, and whatever you have, you're giving away. So if you're giving away cynicism, you, you're not giving away true hope in Jesus. You're not giving away that the gospel has relevance to the kind of pain and disappointment that I have right now. That's the loss, or
0: even that the gospel has relevance to the kind of people that we have now. Because I think if you are going to ask why are we why are we trusting in methods, mm. um, I think it is actually built into our culture, not just our nature, to trust in methods. Um, I can give you a really good example of this from two books in the gothic horror genre okay Uh, both books came out of they were post-enlightenment uh they were romantic period that was the period the gothic horror was read uh was written and um the 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 one book is frankenstein Mm -hmm. okay we all know frankenstein uh, well, we know Frankenstein from the the green guy in the movie. <laughs> well, he was black and white originally, but you you know why Frankenstein is green? Did I ever tell you this? No. Um, because when it was Boris Karloff, I believe, when Boris Karloff did Frankenstein, in order to get the right shade of for his facial tone on black and white film, they gave they painted him green. Oh. And so that's why we think of uh, Frankenstein as green. In the book, Frankenstein was just a very large, very ugly uh, human male.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, Very, very, you know, like bone and marrow. The skin's not quite put on right type of thing. Uh, There's been a more recent version of Frankenstein that that nails it pretty well. Um, Kenneth Branagh did it. Yeah. Um, But anyway... In Frankenstein, the thing you don't realize if you've just seen the movie is in the book, the monster is actually good. The monster is created innocent, and he spends all this time in the beginning of the book when you finally hear the monster's story. The, mon- the monster is actually more articulate than Dr. Frankenstein in the book, and in the book, he uh, Frankenstein is the monster. I'm sorry, not not Dr. Frankenstein, but Frankenstein's monster starts out good and he tries to save this girl and the, uh, the village that he saves her in ends up uh, chasing him off because he's so ugly and then he ends up um, living with this family but they don't know he's sort of living in their shed and when he finally reveals himself to this family he's sure they're going to love him and they chase him off and the message behind Frankenstein is that man is basically good. Man is created good. It's society that makes us bad. Mm-hmm. Okay? So Frankenstein is actually the beginning of modernism. It's, it's You're going to enter after Frankenstein. You're going to enter into the age of psychology. You're going to enter into a modern materialistic age. Um, all these things are going to be encouraged by the Romantic era, Uh, where the Romantic era was that first era after the Enlightenment that really said, we can, we can do it without God. It was the beginning of self-esteem, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that translates into a modern culture that says man is basically good. If we believe that man is basically good, then what happens when men fail us? We despair. It's the, it's the only option.
1: Question. Our worldview is in question.
0: Yeah, it's the only option is for the, the self esteem view that believes man is basically good, um, because for you know for centuries men have been trying to, you know, you've got the Henry David Thoreau who says what we need to do is just move alone by ourselves, and then I'll be okay. You know, you've got there's an older version here. You want a modern version? M Night Shyamalan's The Village. Have you ever seen that movie? Mm-mm. You need to see that movie because it's about, what can we move away from society and remove evil from us? And, of course, I'll just give it away. The answer is no, because the evil is within us. Mm. And that's the answer, interestingly enough, that comes from another gothic horror story, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. Because in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, and Robert Louis Stevenson was raised a um, by a, a staunch Scottish Presbyterian family that, that knew their stuff. And even though he was an atheist, he held on to what he learned as a child. And you see that in Jekyll and Hyde because Jekyll thinks he can remove the evil from himself and be just good. But the problem is, as soon as he... Draws out the evil of himself as soon as he recognizes it in Hyde. Suddenly, he is just overwhelmed with this desire to be Hyde. He hmm. he is he's tempted by the evil of Hyde. And there's one point in the book where Hyde murders uh, a man, I believe it's a member of Parliament, and so so Jekyll decides I'm going to put Hyde away. I'm not bringing him out again. I'm not taking the potion anymore to bring hide out in me, but the whole time he's, he's thrown parties. He's going to church. He's giving money to charity. He's doing all these things to try and get hide to go away. Isn't this interesting. And the mm. whole time he's thinking, Oh, but that was fun being hide. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful picture of sin and how, uh, and how we are tempted by it and how we're tempted to trust to the world and what we can do, even religion, as something we can do. And
1: mm-hmm. ultimately, the end of both books – To book- self-justify and – yeah.
0: Yep. But the end
1: of both books
0: is despair. Um, but Jekyll and Hyde gets at the idea that we ha- we do have to die, which is exactly what the ordinary means say. Mm. Mm. Is we come to the communion table. What's that about? That's about death. Mm. We we baptism, what's that about? That's about being buried with Christ. Don't um self. preach no. preaching, what's that about? Preaching the message of uh, die to yourself daily. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things are about dying to self, and it's only in death that there's hope. And neither of those authors ever quite get there. Um, mm. mm-hmm. but that's where they need to get. Because that's the next step is is recognizing uh, Stevenson gets it right that the enemy is me, the enemy mm-hmm. is not society as the Franken, Frankenstein says, the the enemy is me, and until I realize that, I am going to be cynical. Right. Even right. realizing that I'm going to be cynical,
1: it it, it, it was. It was interesting to me. If I can but for just a second, it yeah. was interesting to me when you talked about your cynical boss mm-hmm. that there was an an air of superiority. Yes, about that boss that that I know what's best, and if all the world ran according to what I think is best, then life would be good. Um, and and I think that there's. Uh, we can recognize that sin is not best i 'm not saying we shouldn 't do that, um, but many times our cynicism is not necessarily i mean if we 're in ministry and we 're cynical about the fact that people are um, immature sheep um, that you know we have to put up with and things like that you know that that 's a problem all in itself since we 're also that same thing in various areas of our own lives. So we're, we've lost focus on the fact that we're only somewhere along the way. I mean, even the Apostle Paul talked about straining ahead, you know, and so we're, we're sort of, if uh, Paul Tripp has a great article recently on this, a couple uh, back-to-back articles on if you think you've arrived that are really, really good. Um, maybe we can link those because I think that a lot of cynicism flows from the fact that I've arrived, you ha- at least in ministry, you haven't. And now I'm upset at how much of a hassle it is that I've got to bear with you or how much of a hassle it is I have to bear with this church or with this set of elders that i have got to work with or, or whatever the dynamic is um, for pastors or, you know, if you're an elder, I'm going to bear with this pastor. Um, you know, it, 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 there's always this air of superiority about it and that if all went the way that I wanted it to go, then everything would be just fine.
0: Well doesn't I mean doesn't that describe the modern age <laughs> that if you you know we we were convinced for a century or more we were convinced before postmodernism kicked in and postmodernism is cynical for a different reason but modernity was cynical because they thought you know, it was it was that pride it was it was the, the the belief that man was basically good and therefore man could create a way to bring world peace and we began to Create all of these new technologies.
1: It, it's <laughs> utopia on our own. You,
0: we tried to create utopia, and we created another world war.
1: Right. Um, really, that—that's uh, postmodernism comes out of the the failure of you know World War Two and and um, Korea and Vietnam. Finally, to say you know maybe this soul is not possible. Maybe even the hope that all could be well is foolish and naive.
0: Yeah. They they looked at the modern. We should
1: go back to existentialism that the most authentic, authentic thing that I can do is, is kill myself.
0: Uh, Well, yeah. And that, that's where they, that's where they, they miss it. Instead of saying modern age, you were wrong, but here's the one truth. The postmodern age said, uh, said to the modern age, you're wrong, and so instead of finding the the truth we're just going we're going to go to relativism mm. and we're going to believe that everything is true
1: now that the problem itself is the search is the uh the holding on to the fact that there is a truth that that is the problem actually
0: yes and but see that makes you totally cynical because if your truth is true for you and my truth is true for me okay then Uh, let's say, you know, let's say I murder your wife, okay? Well, your truth is that I did something wrong, but my truth is that I needed to do that. Um, So now, who's right? And at the end of the day, we we both wind up being cynical because we have nothing to hold on to.
1: There's no, there's nothing that's not transient, to go back to Paul's word from 2 Corinthians 4. Yeah. It's all transient. And, and... If it's all transient, then when it goes away, because we had hopes in it, we trusted in it, we obeyed it, we served it, that's the biblical way of talking about how to identify that I've got an idol, um, then when it goes away, I'm not just dis- disappointed, I'm devastated. because, And then I become cynical, because I thought X would make me happy, and when X didn't happen... Then I've got no place to turn to. That's true hope. That's bigger hope than what I'd invested in. In what's gone away. Where so, Sean? There's a possibility that somebody listening to us is actually got past the opening and is actually cynical. So how how do we how do we how do we use the ordinary means, privately and publicly, to um, forestall against cynicism in a broken world where we're frequently disappointed, where we have reason to lament, where our bodies are failing, where we fail ourselves and others, where people sin against us, where sheep are hard to lead. Stop it! You are making where, me cynical. Oh well, and, and where <laughs> leaders don't yeah. always get along the way that they want to. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't. Um, what I love about Paul in that Second Corinthians passage is he is deadly honest.
0: Well, and that's that's we're what cast I. Down,
1: but we're not forsaken. Yeah, and and that that one that that not forsaken, that is huge, because it tells me that Paul looked at a forsaken Savior, who was forsaken for him, but Make not cynical. <laughs> yeah, I'm not forsaken, because Jesus was forsaken for me,
0: but not cynical.
1: But not cynical. Jesus
0: was never cynical. I have a, I have an article um, by uh, Jeremy Bars. I'll oh. post I'll, I'll post a link to it on the um, on the blog post. But Good. he sa- he says five antid- antidotes to cynicism. Oh, I l- let's hear them. Okay, and the first one we we already nailed it. It's we need to be realistic.
1: Mm.
0: We need to realize that I'm not the, high in the sky. Yeah, the world is messed up, and the problem okay. is not just the world. The problem is you. Um, and me. We are yeah, yeah and, and me. <laughs> it's, yes, the problem's not me mad at you. Um, we okay. need to be realistic about that because God is realistic about that. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Uh, there's there is nothing good that dwells in me. There is no one who seeks for God. No, not one. Um, the the flesh and the spirit are battling in a war. So let's let's be realistic. Let's stop expecting this world to have something lasting. Just stop it. Stop stop delighting in this world. Hmm. Um you know this is why uh people get drunk, this is why people do drugs, this is why people watch television and read novels, it's to it's to ease the pain. It's to numb the pain because this world has nothing to give us. And they're absolutely right. This world doesn't have anything to give us. Mm. Um, Christ has everything to give us. So the first thing he says, be realistic. Um, the second thing he says is rejoice that there will be judgment one day. That hmm. all this stuff you're cynical about, all this messed up stuff in the world, is actually going to be destroyed. People are going to be it, punished.
1: Yeah, it it, it w- all will be set right. Yes. Hmm.
0: And, and that's, I think that's something we, we miss. Um, it's such a big part of the scripture, and we miss this idea that half of our salvation is judgment. Salvation is Jesus saving us, yes, but it's also Jesus destroying everything that he doesn't save. Hmm. And you see that like in Revelation. It just, it just comes but out. How long, O oh, Lord? Have
1: to trust that you'd have to trust more than what your eyes can see, though. To do that,
0: yes, you would, and that takes faith. Right. Faith. Cynicism. Right. It, cynicism is the opposite of faith, but it's also the opposite um, of love. Okay. Because cynicism is extreme self-focus, just like you said earlier, and this is why I, I talked about the modern, the, the the Enlightenment, the modern, the postmodern age. Is cynicism is the result of that? It's it's saying at, at base I'm good. The the problem here is that people don't see my point of view. It's at its base, it's Adam's sin. It's selfishness and pride. It's that I'm God and you're not, and you need to be more godlike. You know the new. This is why the new age movement says, um, you know, find your inner God. Or psychology says, you know, find the child within who is so innocent and pure um, because they really believe that if you do that, you'll find hope. And there is no hope in there.
1: Um, so it's kind of, you've got to have a cynicism is a, if I can summarize it, what you're saying is a radical now orientation.
0: It's a radical self orientation,
1: but, it, and it's, it's, it's self wants now. And you can't get your eyes off of that To There's an eternal weight of glory. That's yet to come. Yes, it, it's it, it, and when all will be well, and put back rightly.
0: Whereas, if you look at First Corinthians thirteen, love is patient. That's not cynicism. Kind. That's not cynicism. Um, you know, as you go through all of First Corinthians thirteen, it 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 shows you that love is the exact opposite of cynicism. So one of so the third thing would be seek seek. To care for these messed up people, who are not what you expect them to be, love them. Hmm. Love, love the people. So, do you have somebody that just really annoys you in your life? You know, God says, love them, and suddenly the cynicism will go away, and you'll see that you're you're like you two are the same person. You both you both need hope, and you're not going to find it in each other. You're going to find it in Christ.
1: Hmm. You're putting too much weight on. If you, uh, yeah, if you think you can find that in an individual, yep. um, you are going to kill yourself.
0: Yep. And in doing that, um, we we become what Bars calls signs of hope. Hmm. When we love others, we are signs of hope in a cynical world, and that's, that's a beautiful thing because that's our witness. Our witness is bound up in love, not in cynicism.
1: And maybe this is why the readers or the listeners will see if they go and read my blog post, that um, these these two guys, guys I respect, uh, it actually scared me a little bit to see them cynical. It, it It made me wonder that will at a certain point, after absorbing another decade of pain and of difficulty, will I find the gospel too small to help me navigate the degree of pain that I've experienced? Now, that's a really deep thing to say, and I don't want to accuse these brothers. I've not named them, and I never would. But it arrested me to have guys 10 years older than me who've been knocked around a lot more than me um, to be cynical and to not be able to see increasingly that the pain they've experienced is light momentary affliction, to be so focused on now and on me and the impact of of the world on me that that I've sort of cocooned and and reacted to all that with cynicism instead of with deeper joy and deeper hope. It didn't push me back to a deeper gospel. It actually made me wonder and made me shrink from it and and wonder. Boy, I'm kind of holding on here, but, you know, I'm getting pretty cynical. And it scared me, frankly. I don't want to be that. I want to be more hopeful in 10 years than I am now, not less.
0: Well, isn't that, Matt, isn't that the point of the ordinary means to keep our eyes on the gospel?
1: Yeah, 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 and to put out this bigger hope every time, that when we lay the table out, yeah, it, we look back to Christ and to what he's done for us, absolutely. We also look forward that the same host of the marriage feast is the one who hosts that table. When he puts everything right, um, and and we got to have that view, or else we're toast. We'll end up ins- insanely cynical. Yeah. What? What? Yeah.
0: Our hope—it's—it's yeah. it's all about where your hope is, and if you are trusting. Uh, to human methods, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the church place, uh, whether it's in your marriage, um, wherever it is, your friendships, um, if you're trusting to those things, they ultimately, they are going to let you down. But if you're continually coming back and reminding yourself that my only hope is Christ, my only hope is Christ, when I am weak, He is strong, then it is a beautiful 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 thing and the cynicism uh, washes away in a flood of the love of god mm. and you you can't ask for more than that a particularly I, that i have
1: a greater experience yes of it but yeah
0: in a in a life that will be messed up in a life that is daily dying um we're dying to, to self and therefore we're dying to cynicism and we're living to Christ, who is our hope. And uh, absolutely, uh, you know, most cynical book in the Bible, Ecclesiastes, all is vanity, right? But where does it end? Right. It ends. I, I found that the only thing for man is to seek God while he has years, and in that will he find hope.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, thank
0: you uh, for being on, Matt, and uh, all five of you listening. Thank you. We're up to five, I guess. Uh, oh, wonderful. But uh, all five of you, thank you for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you, and may He give you hope, not cynicism, as you pursue Him through His ordinary means.